What a fantastic morning it's been already. Uh, what a beautiful day. Pastor Barry is mentioning tomorrow. It looks like it's going to be beautiful. It was a fantastic, beautiful morning. Driving in with the blue sky above my head. It was just drawing me to keep on going. But I didn't. I didn't. As I kept going towards the west, I felt something brighter to my left, which was right here, the house of the Lord, and I'm glad you're all here. It's bright in here, and we're grateful. Spirit of God is here. We've been talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. We're gonna keep on that this morning. I wanna begin today with a prayer, a prayer I believe most of us know, and if you know this prayer, please join me. It's the prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, and Many of us have taken it in, and we know it by heart, so please, if you do know it, recite it with me before we break open the word of God. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. No. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. See, even me, I say I got it down rote, and look what happens. Look what happens. Let's do it again, please. And help me this time, all right? Because even I can get it a little mixed up sometimes. It is all right. It is all right because it's a prayer, and if it's from our heart, it's okay. The Lord taught it to us. Let's do it again. Come on, give it all you got. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you. That's, uh, I know that, um, you know, that's a prayer we, we try to memorize. We might say it um, from time to time. Some might say it's, it's vain repetition if we just repeat it, wrote. But you know, Jesus taught it to us. And it's scripture, too. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. So if we quote the word of God or we recite the word of God or pray the word of God, that's a good thing. It's a great thing. And this was something that was inspired by the Holy Spirit because it was put down in scripture. And as I said, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and um, specifically the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, in the life of Jesus and how that can serve as a model for each and every one of us Christians. First, he was conceived by the Holy Ghost. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he had this miraculous birth. We talked about a miraculous birth we could share in, being born again, something that was conceived by the Holy Spirit, a spirit birth. Jesus said you must be born again, born of the Spirit, flesh give gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And then last week we talked about the baptism of Jesus. And in that baptism of Jesus, what occurred? 
the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a visible form, the form of a dove, and then God the Father spoke in an audible voice. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. There was this uh, evidence of Jesus being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to uh, read from the scripture in just a minute that he was full of the Spirit and the Father's audible voice uh, that was giving the revelation of the sonship of Jesus. And uh, we're gonna continue now this morning with what immediately followed the baptism of Jesus. That baptism he had was an example to us about receiving the Spirit. And there is, for Christians, when we're baptized, the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. That was what uh, Peter preached on his first message, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, for Grant, who was just baptized, there's prayer following that he would receive the Spirit because that's scriptural, that's biblical. And that was the example of Jesus in his baptism. What immediately followed the baptism of Jesus? He had a significant experience and the Holy Spirit was involved. It's an example for all of us. Let's uh, read the Gospels. I wanna read three of the Gospels this morning in this same incident that followed the baptism of Jesus. So we're gonna read from Matthew chapter four, we're gonna read from Mark chapter one, and we're gonna read from Luke chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, and I, I know when Pastor Barry was up here a few weeks ago, he was like, bring your paper Bible. It's a great thing. If not, you have a digital Bible, bust out your Bible, Matthew chapter four. We're gonna read the first 11 verses. Then Mark 1 will read verses 12, 13, and Luke 4 will read the first 13 verses. All the same incident, all recorded a little bit differently from uh, these uh, evangelists, these witnesses who wrote the Gospels, Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. This is immediately following Jesus' baptism. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Now let's read the same account, Mark chapter one, verses 12 and 13. Mark, he sticks with the facts. He has the shortest gospel, doesn't give much detail. Mark wrote this. Again, just following uh, the baptism of Jesus, 
It says, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. So Mark, very succinct. Now let's see what Luke wrote. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. So Luke is really still has him in the Jordan River right after his baptism. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up on a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, give the same account, different details. Luke has things in a little different order. Mark just gives us a real succinct overview. Matthew uh, presents it a little differently than Mark, but it's all the same account. We learn from it. We have uh, a greater context of it because we look at all three records, and we see that they agree. They agree that immediately, immediately after Jesus was baptized, then came temptation. Matthew uh, gives the baptism account, and the very next word he used, Matthew 4.1, is the word then. Then. Then meaning immediately, meaning the very next thing. There was no pause. There was, there was no time in between. Mark wrote, at once, at once. In other words, straight away, again, immediately following the baptism of Jesus. And then Luke put it a little differently, maybe even a little bit stronger. He said, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove, and now he says, Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, still in the Jordan. He left the Jordan River, and he went into the wilderness. Now, all these gospel accounts agree, they agree that the Holy Spirit it was the Holy Spirit that had a hand in Jesus leaving that Jordan River and going into the wilderness for what? To be tempted. To be tempted by Satan. Matthew and Luke, they wrote that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. But Mark, Mark used uh, a, a little different verb. He, he wrote, at once, or Jesus was sent by the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word that was used is used in all the Gospels to record Jesus casting out demons. 
Jesus sent them out. So the connotation is not just a gentle leading. No, Mark gives us a little different connotation of what the Holy Spirit was doing there with Jesus. Not just a gentle leading, but a compelling, a powerful compelling to compel, to drive out, to command one or to cause one to depart in haste. That's how Jesus cast out demons. And now here it is, the, uh, the similar word being used to say this is how the Spirit was involved with Jesus. Think about that. Think about it. Jesus compelled even driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for a specific purpose, for a specific purpose. And it was no party. You know, Jesus wasn't going out 40 days in the, in the wilderness to some, uh, to some exclusive spa, you know, for some kind of vacation. No, the specific purpose was Jesus was to be tempted by the devil. Now, we can learn some things here about a spirit-led life from this experience of the Holy Spirit in Jesus. Jesus had just been baptized, and it was really a, a, a great high time. The preceding words in each of the Gospels describe the baptism. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, alighting on him. And then the voice from heaven was heard. This is my son. Whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Now that same spirit, that same Holy Spirit is the same spirit that infills us. As disciples of Jesus, it's the same spirit that fills us. And Paul wrote to the church in Rome that the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, by that same spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. And that same Spirit that descended on Jesus and filled Jesus and led Jesus and, and also brought about uh, this revelation that he was the Son of God, it's the same Spirit that brought about our adoption as children of God. Same Spirit, same power. When the Spirit this descended on Jesus, there was that declaration of his sonship. This is my son. The father spoke audibly. And then immediately, immediately, Jesus was led, even compelled by that same spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's interesting. He's led by the same spirit that just descended on him and filled him and had that full, clear, audible revelation of his sonship that followed the, the words of the Father may have still been ringing in the ears of Jesus as he is compelled by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And there is a lesson for us here. There's a lesson for all of us. After a high time with the Lord, when we've had an amazing, an amazing encounter with his presence and in his presence and, and basking in the presence of the Holy Spirit that may even be tangibly evident, we needn't be surprised if a trial follows. Now, it may not be instant. It may not be exactly as it was with Jesus, that it was immediately following. We may have a great season. We may have a great season, what we might call a mountaintop experience, a great season with the Lord in his presence, maybe even daily for, for a great season. 
But trials and temptations come. They will come. The Apostle James, he wrote a letter, and, and his letter was addressed to the Christians who'd been scattered from Jerusalem because of persecution. His letter contained the most simplest of salutations. It was simply greetings. James 1.1, greetings. And then, he, he, without it adding any small talk, nothing more in terms of uh, a salutation, just greetings, then these words. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And many of the English Bibles uh, will put it this way, count it all joy when you fall into many kinds of temptation. Now, how might you feel if you received a letter that started out that way? Greetings. Count it all joy when you suffer and you're tempted. It's just an interesting start of a letter. James just gets right to the point. And how can we? How can we do that? How can we count it or consider it all joy to be thrown into trials, to be thrown into temptations? How? We can rejoice. We can rejoice when we encounter various temptations, knowing, knowing that the Holy Spirit is in us and with us and even leading us, even leading us, perhaps even compelling us as the Spirit did with Jesus. Don't be surprised about it. Don't be surprised when you're confronting it. Expect it and rejoice. Be glad. But you might ask, why? Why is it? Why would the Holy Spirit even do something like this? Why would the Holy Spirit lead anyone to a place of being tested or tempted by the devil? These trials, these temptations, they have a purpose. They work something. They work something in us. Let, let's read what James wrote. Let's read James chapter 1, just verses 2 and 4. He wrote, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. So these trials, these temptations, they test our faith. And then something's produced. They produce something. Perseverance, maturity in faith, maturity in our relationship with the Lord. But it isn't God. It's not God that is doing the tempting. It's got, it, that's not what he is up to. And, and James went on to write that. In verse 13, he wrote, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. No, God's not tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God doesn't do it. God's not the one tempting, yet he allows it. And that's clear. That's clear from Scripture uh, from very early on with Abraham being tested, with the, the event of uh, Job and his entire book. God allows these kinds of things. He allows tempting and he even puts us in a place of testing for a purpose. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, even compelled by the Spirit to be tempted. And that tempting was for a purpose. That tempting produced something. 
And we read about that in Scripture. We can find in uh, the book to, to the Hebrew church, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, tells us, because he, because Jesus, because Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews 2.18, there's a purpose. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, and from two to three to four, the writer is talking about Jesus, the high priest, and he wrote, for we do not have a high priest, again, Jesus, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So Jesus suffered when he was tempted. This was no walk in the park. This was no primrose path. He was tempted, and it produced something. It produced in him a compassion. Though he didn't sin, he was tempted in the flesh, and it produced in him a, a compassion, and he's able to empathize with our human weaknesses. And that's, that's a great thing, the compassion of Jesus. And he's able to help in our time of testing. And how did he respond? He gave us a great example of how he responded when he was tempted. He responded to the devil with the word of God. He responded with, with the word of God. And he resisted the devil. How did, uh, how did Matthew put it? Away from me. Away from me, Satan. Jesus cried. So he resisted. He used the word of God and he resisted. And he's our example. Jesus is our model for life. He's, a, he's our example when we're tested and we're tempted and reminders of his example are given to us and expounded on in scripture. James, we see, wrote about it. And James was the one who also wrote in chapter four, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. This, this is just recounting the example of Jesus. Resist the devil. Jesus was 100% submitted to the will of the Father. He was following the leading of the Holy Spirit, and he resisted the devil. Away from me, he said to Satan. And the devil left him. And James reminds us to do the same, resist the devil when we're tempted. And don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that even after a great, great time in the presence of God, that a test may come. And resist, resist as Jesus did. And also respond with the word of God. That's what Jesus did. He responded with the word. Again, he's our model. He's our example. Let's follow what he did. And what he did is confirmed. It's confirmed for us in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, he wrote to the church in Ephesus, uh, Ephesians chapter six, he said, put on the full armor of God. So what? So you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And Paul used an image there in Ephesians six when he said, put on the full armor of God. Uh, he used this image of armor to describe taking a stand against the devil's schemes. And he, he listed the, the, uh, the pieces of armor. He said, there's a belt, a belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the boots of uh, or, or your feet shod with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And finally, Paul wrote, the sword of the Spirit. And he said, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. 
truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation. I can sum that all up in one word. Jesus. Jesus. Put on the armor. Put on Jesus. Put on Jesus. Paul wrote it a bit more succinctly to the church in Rome. He wrote, clothe yourself with Christ. Clothe yourself with Christ. To another church, he said, put on this armor, and he described it. Cover yourself with Christ, though. Cover yourself with Christ, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation. And then, and then, use the sword, the sword of the Holy Spirit. Use your sword. Never forget your sword. The sword of the Spirit, the word of God. What? To foil the schemes, the tempting of the devil. Now, if we take to heart this image that Paul used of putting on armor, as if we're putting on Christ himself, what does that image imply for us? What does this 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 image of armor imply or putting on Christ, it implies something. And if we think of it in terms of these six pieces of armor that Paul described, it implies the image of a soldier preparing. Preparing to go into battle or preparing to uh, and enter into a conflict. Now you might wonder, again, Why would the Holy Spirit lead anyone into temptation? Why would the Holy Spirit lead anyone into conflict, even a battle? You might just wonder, this can't be. This can't be. But what soldier goes into a battle without the order of a superior? What soldier steps into a conflict without the order compelling that soldier into the conflict? or even that superior officer leading into the battle. There have been many generals who have gone before their soldiers, leading them into a conflict, leading them into a battle. The Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, it tells us of David, who was given command of an army. David, who would become the great king of Israel, he was made commander in the army. And it's recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 13. David led his troops in their campaigns. He wasn't out behind the troops. No, no, he's like, listen, we're going in. Come on, follow me. And and this seems to be the picture of the Spirit leading Jesus into temptation. Come on, come on. We have to go into this conflict. I'll be with you. The leader, the commander... Later in 1 Samuel 13, it says uh, that Israel loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Again, this is a picture. The superior leading the soldier into the conflict. If we do not have the spirit leading us in our campaigns against the evil one, we're on our own. And we're going to be failing. We'll be lost in the battle without a leader, without direction, without instruction, Without orders. Too often, too often, that's been me. I've been alone. When facing off against temptation, facing off against the enemy and various kinds of temptations, and it is when I have neglected, when I've neglected this this image of the armor, when I've not relied on the Holy Spirit and and the power of the Spirit's sword and been in that conflict with temptation, ill-prepared, ill-prepared, and then fallen, 
fallen, not resisting, and it's when not using the sword of the Spirit, not resisting, that I've lost. I've lost. And I'm thinking we might all be able to relate to something like that. Let's all be reminded when we're in all kinds of trials and temptations, we do not have to go it alone. The Spirit compels. The Spirit leads like a general who cares for his troops. And he will help. Never forget it. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the same Spirit who descended on Jesus and led Jesus and helped Jesus. It's the same Spirit who was promised to us by Jesus to help us. And though he leads us into trial, yet he's there to help us through them. So, fan the flame. Stir up the gift of the Spirit within you. We've said it week after week. Fan that flame, stir up that gift so that you'll raise up his word, so that you'll resist the evil one. Without the Spirit, we're on our own. And it's then that we fall. Paul warned the church in Corinth, we might fall. We might fall if we feel we can stand on our own. Let me read that to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Paul wrote, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful. Be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. We might think, yeah, I can stand on my own. I can do it. I'll be able to, yeah, well, I, won't, I won't fail. Be careful. Be careful, the apostle writes, that you don't fall. See, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God, and he is faithful. He is faithful to not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Take that to heart. If, if the Spirit leads and the Spirit guides into a test, he is not going to put it into something that you can't bear. But when you're tempted, he provides a way out. So where is the way out? I've missed the way out so many times because I've been looking to the left and I've been looking to the right and I'm looking all around saying, where's the way out? I'm not looking in. I wasn't looking within and fanning the flame. I wasn't looking within and stirring up the gift of the Holy Spirit within. The way out of temptation is the Holy Spirit. His sword, his enabling, his overcoming power. That's what Jesus relied on. So if we discern that, that we're being led or even compelled into a place of testing, let's look to him as the way out. He provides the way out. He is the way out. And, and he is the way out so that we can endure it and learn from it. And it produces something in it. Let perseverance finish its work so that we might be mature in our faith. And complete, not lacking anything. There is a purpose to it. I don't fully understand it. 
I don't totally get it that the Lord would put me in a place that I'm tested or my faith is tested or I'm tempted, but he does, and he does it for a purpose. Let's rely on him. It's by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And one more thing, one more thing I might add. When Paul wrote about the armor of God, he, he wrote, put it on, put it on, and use the sword of the Spirit He listed those six separate items, and then at the end, he wrote this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We began with a prayer. We began with a prayer that Jesus taught us. It's an inspired prayer. It's a prayer inspired by the Holy Spirit, a prayer he taught us that's now in the Word of God. In it, we have This part of the prayer, lead us not into temptation. Have you ever thought of that when you pray that? Lead me not into temptation? Doesn't it say something? It seems like you're asking the Lord, don't lead me. Don't lead me there. Why would it even be there? You know, Jesus taught that prayer after the wilderness experience. Where he was led into temptation. But I don't believe that That's really a a heartfelt, no, I don't ever want to go there. Please, please, never, ever let me be tested. Because there's a conjunction that follows it. But, lead me not into temptation, or lead us not into temptation, but, but, but what? Deliver us. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. I take it like this, Lord, Lord, I know you lead me. Don't just lead me into temptation. Don't just lead me into that place of testing, Lord. Be my deliverer, too. You are the way out. You are the way out. You are my way out. Never let me forget it. He's my deliverer. Is he your deliverer? You know, I've heard so many people talk about deliverance ministries and Ah, you know, here's a formula for deliverance. You know, Jesus gave it to us. He he just laid it out there in the simplest of prayers. It's a deliverance prayer. It's my deliverance prayer. Deliver me, Lord, deliver me. You are my deliverer. The simple, simple prayer Jesus taught us. I know many seek deliverance. Take to heart his inspired prayer. So when you're in the midst of any kind of trial or temptation, follow his example. Follow his example. Discern the leading of the Holy Spirit. Discern it. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But he didn't go alone. No, he didn't. He was full of the Holy Spirit, Luke wrote. Fan that flame, stir up that gift. Number one, discern that. Discern the spirits with you. Number two, like Jesus when he was tempted, take your sword. Take out your sword. Jesus relied on the sword of the Spirit every time. It is written. It is written. Man does not live by bread alone. It is written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. It is written. Worship God and serve him only. And he resisted away from me. 
That's the third thing he, he resisted. Away from me, Satan. And the devil fled. And fourth, don't neglect the prayer of deliverance that Jesus taught us. Jesus gave it to us. Don't neglect to pray in the spirit like Paul wrote. Pray in the spirit on all kinds of occasions. You know, it's a spirit prayer. This prayer that Jesus taught us, it's inspired. Pray that prayer and then let the spirit lead you in prayer. God, I'm in something here and I don't know what it is or why I'm here, but take over. Take over, Lord, help me. And then just get on your face and pray in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit leads, the Spirit guides, stir up his gift, fan it. Fan it within you and let him guide you in your prayer. Let's close with a word of prayer. And as we do, I just wanna say these altars are open. They're open every single Sunday after service. Uh, you, you can uh, avail yourself to elders to pray for you. If you need prayer, if you're dealing with something, if you're dealing with a trial, a temptation, uh, an, an issue, and you just want somebody to join you in prayer, this is, this is an opportunity. Let's stand and let's pray. And, uh, and let's let the Holy Spirit guide our prayer. Let's let the Holy Spirit guide our prayer. We got this great example of the Spirit and the life of Jesus. And it's, a, it's such a powerful example for all of us. Let's, let's embrace it and take it to heart and follow his lead. Father God, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, move among your people right now. God, if there's any in this congregation that are facing a trial, a temptation, an issue, something that's testing their faith, a crisis of faith, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would just descend upon them, God. Fill them, Lord. Lead them and guide them. And may they not be afraid. May they not think they've got to take it on their own. If there's any here who think they're standing and they can do it on their own, God, I pray you'd convince them that the spirit of the living God is needed, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that fills them, God. I pray there's a reliance like never before. Pour out your spirit afresh upon us, God, that we would receive the power and the enabling of the Holy Spirit to resist and to use the word of God. Lord, may the word just come into our mind and our heart, Lord. We would pray it. We would speak it. We would live it, Lord, your word, that you are our God and there is none other, that Jesus, that you're the lamb of God who takes away our sin. Lord, that this is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, put the word in our heart and well it up that we would resist the wiles of the wicked one who might be trying to discourage or depress us, God, that we would stand on Christ and Christ alone. He is the rock of our salvation. Your word declares it. Lord, may we speak it. May we use it and say it is written to all Lord in our hearts. It is written, it is written and help us, Lord, to use that when we're facing a test and a trial. Your word and the strength and the power of it given by the Spirit. Lord, bless your people with it. I pray, God, may we never, ever neglect the gift of the Spirit. Lord, and if we have been, Lord, drive us to our knees in repentance that we would just desire to fan and stir up that gift, that we would be people who'd be walking testaments of Jesus, that we would have ourselves clothed in Christ, that we'd have on that full armor of God, surrounded, wrapped, as it were, in Jesus. Thank you for it, God. Bless your people as, as they go, Lord, and keep the spirit with us, we pray.